Good morning again. It's uh, good to see everybody here. We're, uh, if you're visiting with us, we've been going through a series called Vintage Christmas. And what we've been doing is we've been going through some, some of the, the original story, with key, you know, picking out key characters or key things in that story and examining, examining them a little closer. You know, one of the great things about this time of year, not only that it's Christmas and the seasons and, you know, the family and, and seeing family come in from out of town and celebrating and, and all the great stuff, you know, the great food and the, uh, the great shopping experiences, whatever it is that you just love about the season, you know, that's all great. But there's another aspect about this, this time of year that's just really quite magnificent, and that is how beautiful our skies are. And this time of year... You know, we're, we're a little bit further away from the sun. And so this little bit, being a little bit further away and, and it's darker earlier, we get to see, when you look up, you get to see pictures like this. Amazing stars. You know, when I was in the Navy, we, uh, we went on a, what we call Westpac. It was from California out to the Persian Gulf. And we were in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And I remember there was no moon out. It was one of the parts of the, you know, month that there was no moon. And I remember going outside the door, shutting the door behind me, because inside it had red lights. But when you shut that door, we don't have running lights, except for a couple, couple you know, uh, port starboard lights. That's it. And I, would be, I, would, I remember going out, and as soon as I shut that door, I couldn't see anything. I mean, literally. I was afraid to fall overboard, because I was like, I'm walking, I'm holding on to the side, the bulkhead, and, and I went to the sitting area and just relaxed. And I remember looking up, and it looked like this. I mean, it was just so many stars. It was just magnificent. And then this time of year, when we go out, and, and even though, you know, if we can handle the cold at night, we look up and we see stars everywhere, especially living out in the rural areas. It even, we don't have the light pollution. It looks even better. And, and you know, it's just, it's just gorgeous. And this is one. This is a, a cluster of stars. And this one's, uh, all of these pictures I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you a series of about eight pictures. And all of them are from the Hubble Telescope. And this one is, uh, this, this particular one uh, contains hundreds of thousands of stars and resides in the outskirts of galaxies. The outskirts of galaxies. Hundreds of thousands of stars right here. Now, the Milky Way contains over 150 of these clusters. 150 of these. The Milky Way, 150 of these, and there's hundreds of thousands of stars. It's amazing. This particular one is, a, uh, you know, it's one of the more unusual ones. Next, next slide. Now this, this is the closest star system to the Earth. And it's the famous Alpha Centauri group located in the constellation Centaurus. And this is only 4.3 light years away. But those are two stars. Gorgeous. All right, what's the next one? This one is the R, I don't know where they get these names, the R136. This is the central region of the Teratula Nebula in a large Magellanic cloud. And this uh, star cluster, in the bottom right corner, there's a, another star, um, and this has, contains hundreds of young blue stars. And it's the and it's the most massive and, and among them is the most massive star in all of the universe. Hundreds of thousands of stars in these. What else? This is this starburst galaxy named 
you see the title in there, the NCG plus 7 minus 33 minus 027, whatever that means. I just think it looks cool. So this Starburst Galaxy named this. Uh, this galaxy lies some 300 million light years away from us. 300 million light years away. And it's currently experiencing, currently experiencing an extraordinary high rate of star formation. This is a starburst. All right, the next one. Now, this one was discovered in 1835. It's also a starburst galaxy, and it's located about 50 million light years away. And it's spanning, this, this spans 15,000 light years. That's how wide this is. 15,000 light years wide. And it's over 50 million light years away. And now the next one's one of my favorites. Look at that. Is that beautiful? I mean, come on, that's, that's gorgeous. This is a wolf star. And it's uh, called the R, R, uh, R, WR31A. It's a wolf rayet nebula. An interstellar cloud of dust, hydrogen, helium, and other gases created around a star. And this one is, uh, is expanding, it's currently expanding at a rate of 136,000 miles per hour. That's how fast it's going. 136,000 miles an hour. Now, my favorite out of all of them is this next one. Uh, any, any of you guys know your, your astrological sign, like Sagittarius and all that? I know we don't believe in that, but, but do you know what yours are? Now, this one's a, Vir a Virgo. And any Virgos out there? Yes, I, I'm a Virgo. So this is, uh, actually, go back one. Actually, looks like I'm, I got them out of order. Skip. One more. Looks like a galaxy. There it is. This is the Virgo constellation. That is huge. This constellation is especially rich in galaxies. See, that's not just one galaxy. There's multiple galaxies in there. And it's rich in galaxies due to the presence of a massive gravitational bound collection of more than 1,300 galaxies. 1,300 galaxies called the Virgo Cluster. One particular member of this cosmic community, this uh, NGC 4388, is captured in this image and is located about 60 million light years away. 60 million light years away. Beautiful. Now go to the one before this, the Da Cha, Dai Cha. Now this one is a smoke ring uh, for a halo two star shine through the center of the ring, cascading dust in a star system called the Di Cha. Beautiful stuff. Now uh, go ahead and go to the, the main slide, the title slide. Bless you. Why am I talking about stars? What, what, what's the significance? I mean, I'm going through all of this, telling you all this stuff, this little science stuff about stars. Why would I even bother talking about stars? In the story of the Christmas story, we have a star in there, and that's what we're going to talk about today, but, but it's really not that talked about. So why would I go through this? See, during the Christmas story, there's a mention of a star, and, and on top of many Christmas trees, we have stars. We have a star right up there for a Christmas play. Very important. We have stars. You know, a lot of, a lot of times we have stars around um, as a decoration, whether it's hanging on a tree or on top. In my house, we have a star that we put on top. So, so you know, star is clearly significant. 
And I, the star I want to talk to you about, though, is from God's Word this morning. And it's a star that is more spectacular, more fascinating than anything we just saw. Out of all those star pictures and out of millions of light years away and the hundreds of thousands of stars that we can talk about in the universe and, and all of these galaxies, that's nothing in comparison to what we can learn from this one star in the story. See, this star was created for divine purpose. This star, there was a plan for this particular star. And it was connected to the birth of Christ. This one star is more significant than any of those stars in the pictures we saw. And Matthew chapter 2 introduces us to what is easily could be called the, the original Christmas ornament. The original Christmas ornament, the star. Let's open our Bibles up to chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 12, and it'll be up on the screen as you, if you want to follow along. In verse 1, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the, of the Jews? For we saw his star when, we, when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod, Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembled, assembling all of the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For... From you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for, this child, for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, and I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king... They went on their way, and behold, the star that they had, been, they had seen when it, rose, went, when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with, mother, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts and gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being, warned in a, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Father God, as we open up your word and we see this story, open our hearts and our minds to you. Teach us, Lord. Guide us and, and help us understand the story and understand the significance. Open our hearts and our minds to you. And we ask the Holy Spirit to be here right now and teach us in this moment as we examine your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's start with a little bit of context here. You know, when you, when you look into the scriptures, you've got to look at what the situation is, what, a little bit of what time, you know, and a little bit of background information on this. So that was, we're going to start with that. And, and some, a key point is that, one is that we know that Jesus wasn't born on January tw or December 25th. We know that. We know that um, throughout history, the Christians, or there was, a, there was a Roman holiday that would happen, and during this Roman holiday, a lot of people were off during this holiday. And so they started celebrating Christmas during this time because they already had the time off. 
And it was also in, 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 in uh, response to this pagan holiday that the Ro- Romans were doing. So we know that. And we also know that it was probably more closer to the spring. Because if you look at, if you look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it talks about the shepherds uh, leaving their flocks, or they're watching their flocks at night. And the reason why they, a shepherd would watch their flocks at night is because that's when most likely would deliver a, a lamb. So these, they would, uh, in the springtime is when a sheep would reproduce more, and then, therefore they would go start working at night to make sure that their lambs were taken care of, and if there was one born, they were there to take care of that and help that, help that lamb. So we know that it was probably around that time. Now, we, know, we also know in studies that Jesus was probably born around 5, 6 B.C., around that time. Most, most scholars agree that about 5 B.C. is the correct date. And the reason why we have, you know, our dates are, are A.D. versus B.C., um, dates are off a little bit. It's just because they were off in the beginning with when the Roman calendar came. But it was, if he was born around 5 B.C., we know that Herod died at 4 B.C., so we know the, the Magi, these Magi that we're talking about, they showed up after the birth. So he wasn't at the stable or, or in the beginning. It was, it was actually probably a year, maybe two later, that these Magi saw the star and were convicted, and God led them to see baby Jesus. So Jesus was a toddler at the time, a little guy, running around the house. Now, Mary and Joseph, they also, what we know about them is that they were, they were out of the, they weren't homeless anymore. The census is over, and they have moved into a house. Because if you look closely, it says that, they, that the Magi showed up and went into the house and worshipped Jesus. So they are established now. I mean, it's been a little bit of time. They're, they're going, they probably went through the Jewish ceremonies already of circumcision. They've already had some time there. Uh, they've already done the normal customs. They've moved into a house. They're, they're a married couple now, and they're raising their child. And they've, they've settled in. Now, the Magi is another thing we need to look at is, is who they are. Now, these guys were, were more of a, they weren't kings. You know, a lot of times they, when the stories, they talk about these, these magi as, as, as if they're kings. And they weren't kings. They're more of, of a combination of priests and, and wise men. They were the philosophers of the time. And they're probably from Persia. And, and they would look at astro, uh, uh, astronomy. They would use astronomy to look at the stars and study the stars and make, make assumptions and predictions and, and, and those types of things. And, and they would uh, and speculate about, about things, about what's going on, and maybe even pr- try to prophesy through this. And they played a very important political and religious role in the community. And they, they had a lot of authority. That's why when they showed up, they were able to go directly to the King Herod. It wasn't like they, they went to the local priest or the local synagogue or something. They went directly to the king because they, they had some status. And we also know that they had a pagan background and they had a very powerful influence. Uh, they had a powerful influence probably in Babylonian and definitely in Persia. And, but, you know, what's interesting is that they, they recognized and worshipped the Christ. Even though they were pagan and they studied all these other things, they would, when they saw the star, they went and they worshipped Jesus. And it's interesting because they they're actually know something about Jewish culture. They knew the prophecies. 
They knew what was going to happen. They, they, they were, they were, obviously, they were pagan, but also at the same time, they probably studied in depth the Jewish culture. And they knew the Old Testament Scripture. And in the midst of this verse, we see the star. This, this out, out of all these characters, and we could go on about the Magi, we could talk about Mary and Joseph, we could talk about all these things. But you know what's interesting is that in the midst of this, there's a star. And we have placed a huge significance on the star and throughout history and throughout our Christian traditions. But why? Why do we put such a significance on this? You know, the Magi commented in verse 2 to King Herod about it. In verse 7, King Herod asked the Magi about the time the star appeared. He's like, okay, well, well okay, guys, when, when did the star show up? What time of year was it? What day was it? So they can figure out where to go. We also read in verse 9 on how the star rested over the place where Jesus was. So what is it about the star? What exactly is it? Why did God use the star in such a way? Now, the, the Bible is largely silent about the star. It doesn't, you look through the Gospels and the birth story, and we see the story in other Gospels, and we go, okay, we're, we're the Magi, here the, sto- the, the star, there's a reference to it, but there's really not a whole lot about it. So really, what can we learn from this? See, some people have su- suggested that it was Jupiter, and that's what the star was. It was actually Jupiter there. Some, others, uh, some other scholars say that the idea was a combination of Jupiter and Saturn, and, it, and they thought that well, it probably made like a, a you know, the ichthys, the Jesus fish that we see on the back of cars. They, you know, they, they claim that, that it was Jupiter and Saturn came together and formed this fish, and that was the first symbol. Um, some people might have said it was a meteor. Some people suggest it was a comet. None of these, none of these ideas are really certifiable. None of these ideas are even really credible in any way. They're just guesses. But here's what we do know. Here's what we do know about the star. Is that the star of Christmas speaks of God's glory. The star of Christmas speaks of God's glory. The star in the sky was the original Christmas ornament, and it speaks of his glory. What's your favorite kind of ornament? What's the, go ahead and throw out your favorite ornament. Is it the star? Is it those little glass balls? You know, the, the little red and blue and different ones? Is it the Christmas pickle? Who knows? What, what, what is your favorite one? Is it the star? See, most ornaments reflect light. When you go to the store and you go to Walmart and you walk down and you see all these, all these ornaments, most of them have glitter on them or, or they're shiny and they reflect light in some way. See, the original Christmas ornament... Of, the original Christmas ornament is the Christmas star and reflects God's light and God's glory. You know, why do, we, why do we, when we, the stars that we looked at, when I was in the Navy and I told you that story a minute ago and I, I looked up and I was amazed at that, why do we look up in the sky at the stars? We look at it because it's beautiful, right? We look at the stars because it's gorgeous. But also, doesn't it do something to you when you, when you see millions of stars and it just kind of makes you feel a little small? We, we look at these stars and we say, wow, look what God created that. That's amazing. That's, it's, it's, I, I could get speechless thinking about the pictures that we saw, the millions of galaxies that are out there. And we watch these things and we look at these things and we're in awe, inspired, and wondrous God who created these things. And when we look at these, it's, we're looking at these lights, it's these stars that are transmitting light. 
And we see God's light. See, God set those stars in heaven. He placed every single one. And it is God who allows that light to transmit. It's God who keeps those things in existence. It's God who put them there in the first place. All throughout the Bible, there's lots of references for light and God's glory. We see it all through Scripture. There's this, this phrase, this references the light and reference to God's glory. All through Scripture, even Old Testament. Look at uh, Exodus 13.21. See, it was the light that God led the people of Israel outside and wandered. And they let, God's light led them to a new place. In Exodus 13, 21, it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and led them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. So there you, you have a reference there of pillar of fire and light. God was leading the way with light. He was lighting the way for them. Okay, when God called Moses near him to come up, to, on Mount Sinai, God's people saw the glory of God like a radiant light. Look at uh, Exodus 24, 15. When Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of God dwelt on Mount Sinai, Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days, and on the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now on the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain, in the sight of all the people of Israel. Fire. See, there's a reference to God's power and God's glory with reference to fire. God's glory and God's light. God allowed Moses to inscribe the Ten Commandments on stone tablets. And when Moses returned to the people, do you remember what happened? His face was glowing because he was in the presence of God. He was, his face was glowing and, when, and if you look at the scripture, it says uh, in Exodus 34, 30, Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin on his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Now that word shone, and a lot of your verse, uh, Bibles will probably say radiant. It, it's, a most, it's a more common uh, translation is radiant. His face radiated and glowed because of God's glory. When Jesus went up to the Mount Transfiguration, up to the mountain in the presence of James and John and, and Peter, Matthew 17, 2 says, And when he, went up, when he was transfigured before them, and his face shone or radiated like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And when the angels delivered the message of Christ's birth to the shepherds in the first Christmas, it was like a bright light. See, even Jesus, when he went to Mount Transfiguration, he glowed. So there's references all through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, about light. Jesus is referred to as the light. So when we talk about the star, there's, that, there's definitely a connection there. In Luke chapter 2, verse 9, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That's the story when the angels came to the folks in the, in the, uh, the shepherds. When they showed up to the shepherds, it was like a bright light. See, there's no mistake the glory of God with light in Scripture. 
Even Jesus himself is called the bright morning star. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? He's called the bright morning star, and yet there's a scripture verse talking about the star coming, landing above him. See, in Revelations 22.16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. See, there's always these references to, God, to light and God's glory. God, his glory and light consistently throughout Scripture and very much present in the original Christmas story. See, ornaments shine because light is reflecting on them. See, when we have these ornaments, when we put Christmas tree lights on, right? And they shine, they sparkle because there's light being shining. I mean, have you, ever not had a, have you ever had a Christmas tree that didn't have lights on it? If you did, it wouldn't sparkle too much, would it? It's the light reflecting all that glitter and all that stuff that's reflecting back. And it brightens up your tree. It makes it beautiful. It makes it, makes it uh, uh, reflecting all this beautiful light everywhere. See, it's interesting because Christians shine because of God's glory is reflecting on them. Christians shine because God's glory is reflecting on them. You shine when God's glory is reflecting on you. So I have a question. What kind of ornament are you? Are you one that reflects light? God's glory or not? It reminds me of a story of a particular family that had a, a Christmas star that was lit up every year. They just loved it. It was a, it was a family tradition for many, many years. And they, and they would get it out and they took care of it and put it in a special box. And one year, the, the batteries died on it or something happened. The light bulb burned out. So what they did was they, they said, okay, well, we'll just put that away for now. And they packed it up and put it away with the intention of doing something later. A year goes by, nothing. Two years goes by, nothing. They forget about it. Three years goes by, nothing. They forget about it. Then one day the dad comes and says, you know what, we need to do something with this. We need to, we need to get this out. And so he took it out, he fixed it, put a new bulb in it, and put, brought it right back out and put it back on that tree. And it again became an important part of the Christian tradition, or the Christmas tradition in that family. The story reminds me of the testimonies of too many churches and too many Christians' lives. See, once once allowing, they allow God's glory to reflect and shine in their lives, and then something happens. It fails to shine, and then and it loses its brightness. And they just shut it aside. At one time in our lives, maybe we're shining God's glory and, and we're sharing the gospel and, and we're teaching Bible studies and we're loving other people and, and, and our light, our light of Christ was shining in our lives and then something happens and we, we just kind of start putting it aside and it's no longer important. It's no longer the, the center of our lives. It's now just packaged up and aside. We might take it out once in a while and look at it. Maybe even turn it on once in a while, but we don't really celebrate it or use it. It's just not in our life. The solution, however, is simple. If we desire to be like that original Christmas ornament, the Christmas star full of God's light and God's glory, full of God's grace, then we need to allow God's glory 
to be absorbed into our lives, made known in our lives, and through each of us, lived out in our lives. You we want to see God's glory. We can't just put it on the shelf. We've got to live it out, live it out loud. We have to embrace God's light and let it shine through us. Let me ask you a very personal and individual question this morning. Now, only you can answer this. I want you to reflect on this. Take this question serious. Is your life like that star? Are you allowing God's glory to reflect through you? Are you allowing God's glory to reflect through you? God wants to use each and every one of you as instruments of His glory and His grace. But we are completely surrendered, but we have to be completely surrendered to His will in order to do that. We have to be willing to do whatever it is He wants. We have to be willing to surrender completely to Jesus. You see, not only did the star speak of God's glory, but he also, it also speaks of God's guidance. Are you allowing God to guide your life? Are you allowing God's glory to go through you and also guide you? Now, are you allowing... What is the guiding light in your life? Now, I'm not talking about the soap opera. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real life. Is God guiding you? I'm talking about Jesus. What's the real guiding light in your life? Are you watching TV and watching Dr. Phil? I know Oprah's not on anymore, but maybe the reruns. Watching them and saying, wow, you know what? She's great. He's great. I'm going to listen to them. Are you reading secular books saying, wow, you know, a psychology book or some kind of counseling book to make you, you know, seven steps to greatness or something like that to, to, to is, is that what's guiding you? The principles of, of, of all these things? Or, or are, you, are you picking up scripture and you're picking up the Bible and you're letting this guide you? Which one is it? What, what is it that's guiding your life? Are you following your friend's advice? Instead of a mature Christian, or even looking at Scripture, how do you handle situations? Which one is guiding your life? Is the advice of the world guiding it, or is Jesus? Is God your guiding light? Now, if you say yes to God being your guiding light, that means that you pick up Scripture on a daily basis. You pick up Scripture every single day, and when you have a problem or have a situation, you look through Scripture to find the answer, and you filter everything through the Bible. You watch something on TV, and you're like, hey, that doesn't seem right. Let me check Scripture to see if that's moral or right. If you have a problem with a friend or a coworker, you go through Scripture and say, how do I handle this? You have a decision to make. Should I buy a house or sell a house? Or, or build a house or, or, or whatever it is. You've got a decision to make. Are you going through Scripture to figure that out? If you said yes, that God is your guiding light, then you're using Scripture as your filter. Scripture and prayer. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never enter darkness but we'll have the light of life. Are you walking daily with the Savior who is the light of the world? 
If you are, that's God's guidance. That is your guiding light. Are you looking into the Word of God and the Bible that it might be a map to, to lead you toward God shining His light through you and through it? It says Psalm 119, the psalmist wrote in verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Huh, interesting. There's another reference to light. See, this opens our eyes to the world. This is truth. And without this, we won't know what kind of decisions to make or what's going on and truly going on. The more we study this, the more we learn from it, and the more we, we walk in this, the more we'll understand what really is going on. That Christmas star represented God's glory, but it also represented God's guidance. The Magi were men obviously acquainted with the Messianic prophecies. Obviously they knew what the prophecies were going to say, or did say. The prophecies of this time have already spread around the world. It wasn't limited to a small group now. Now it's been spread throughout the known world. They're obviously men who knew something about God's Holy Scripture and the prophecies contained within it and had faith in it. That's the key, is that they had faith in it. They knew it, but they also had faith in it. They surrendered, or they allowed God to guide them. And they surrendered whatever their personal plans were to be to God's plan. They, they, saw the, the, they knew about the prophecies. They saw the star. And they could have just gone back to doing what they were doing, but they didn't. They knew, and they acted out on faith, and they walked in faith. They sacrificed time, energy, personal resources to make their way to worship the King of Kings. And I'm convinced they did it all because they believed what they would find. They didn't just go on a quest, hey, I'm bored this weekend. Hey, I saw a star. Let's go check that out and see what's going to happen. No, I believe they knew. I believe they knew the scriptures. They saw the prophecies, and they walked out on faith, and they were determined to go find out where that Christ child was. I'm convinced that they did this because they believed what they would find, and it was the gift, the gift to mankind, the gift to all of us. See, the Magi were fascinated by the star. They followed God's guidance, they, and they found the greatest gift of all. Beyond the star was God's gift to us. Here are some men, the Magi, who must have been some status in the world because the look at the gifts that they had. They had to have been wealthy. They had to have had some money. And we gather this because just by gauging the sort of gifts they bought, gold, incense, myrrh, in Scripture, in the last verse we read, I think it was around verse 11 or 12, it said, and frankincense and myrrh. And I brought some frankincense and myrrh oil, and it's back there. I was trying to get it to you guys in your bulletins. It didn't work. But if you want to smell what it's, what it's like, it's back there on your way out. I'll show it to you. It's, it's awesome. And there's this stuff in, in the gold, and, and frankincense and myrrh during that time was very expensive. They didn't mass produce it like we have today. It was a very expensive item. They were elaborate gifts, and these gifts certainly would have been quality gifts by the people of that day. And yet, all these gifts combined, all of the things that these magi brought was nothing compared to the gift that was just given to them. 
Jesus Christ. They had a marvelous gift in their sight. As a star led them to the place where they found their Savior. Have you reached that place the Magi have reached? Have you reached that, that place where, where it has God's glory and, and, and God's light guided you and he brought you to Christ? Have you, have you gotten to that point where you recognize the Savior in your life? The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And only through going to Jesus Christ and acknowledging the gift that he has given to you, you can get to heaven. That's the only way you can have him in your life. And if you're not taking that serious, then the light will never shine in you. It's not a gift with a bow. It's not a gift with a bag, but rather a gift beyond the star. A gift beyond a town in, in called Bethlehem. A gift of a baby, Christ the Lord. Not only did he come to live on earth, but through his life, death, and resurrection, he gave us eternal life. He gave us a gift to be able to spend, spend eternity with him and with others who have accepted that, that, that dedication and, and accepted that gift, that simple gift. But you have to receive it. You have to take, you have to, if I offer you $5, if I go over to John here and I say, John, I got $5 and, and I have this gift for you. No strings attached. It's yours. You have a choice, don't you? You have a choice to take it or leave it, don't you? Yeah, we all do. And when Jesus Christ gave this gift, when God gave us this gift called Jesus Christ, you have a choice. You know, the choice is to either accept it or reject it. And by not accepting it, you've already rejected it. By saying, no, I'm not interested, that's rejection in itself. God has given you a gift of Jesus Christ. As we celebrate this Christmas season, I will remember the gift of Jesus Christ. It's not about anything about him. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the gold, the incense, and myrrh. It's not about anything but Jesus Christ. That's the gift that we celebrate. I pray that every time you see a star, every time you see a star, you think and remember God's glory. Every time you see a star, I want you to remember of God's guiding light. Every time you see a star, I want you to remember and appreciate the gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for the glory of God found in our Lord Christ, who is the guiding light in our world, and that precious gift that he has given us. As we celebrate this Christmas season, every time you see a star, I want you to remember that gift that he has given us. May we receive this gift of Jesus, and then may his marvelous light shine out in each and every one of you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this, this, this star, this, this shining light, this glorious event. <coughs> Father God, we just ask you to, to shine in our lives. Guide our, give us that guiding light. Shine in our lives and guide us so we can glorify you. Not because we have to, not out of obligation, but out of love. Because of the love that we have for you and that you have for us. It's a love relationship. Father God, I ask you to work in our lives. We ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us and mold us into Christ-likeness. Because he is our perfect gift, not just on the Christmas morning when he was born, but also at Calvary when he sacrificed his life for us.
Father God, thank you so much for loving us enough to send Jesus to us as his precious gift as we celebrate this year. Father God, bless each and every one here and work in their lives, shine in their lives, guide their lives, and help them remember you through this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen.